Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans. This is episode number nine of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick. Got a good amount of stuff to get through today. We're going to give you guys an update on Mika Zibanejad. He, of course, was injured in the game against the Bruins and missed the game against Tampa Bay. We're going to preview the game against the Nashville Predators on Saturday. And we're going to have a little bit of Halloween-themed fun here. Hope everyone had a happy Halloween. We're going to get into that just a little bit later. Mika Zibanejad did not skate with the Rangers at practice yesterday. In fact, he has not skated at all since he took the hit from Patrice Bergeron in Sunday's game against the Bruins. He returned to the ice, I believe, for just one more shift after that, but he was off shortly thereafter. They went into the break for the first intermission, and Zibanejad never returned, and obviously he hasn't been back yet. I know a lot of Ranger fans upset about that hit. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it. It was it was almost like I, I kind of liken it to like a crackback block in the NFL, but I do think by the letter of the law, it was a legal hit. It looked like he tried to, Bergeron that is, he tried to put his shoulder into Zibanejad's chest, and it just kind of rose up on him and, and caught him in the jaw a little bit there. Could go either way. I mean, you know, you never know what you're going to get with the league on, on rulings like this. But I think if anything was going to happen to Bergeron, we would have heard about it by now. So I hesitate to, to just go out there and call this a dirty hit. Maybe an unnecessary hit would be the best way to describe it. But, you know, obviously Zibanejad, we hope he's healthy. We hope he's feeling better. And we hope to get him back out there as soon as possible because I don't need to tell you guys how important he is to this team, centering the top line, and obviously one of the biggest scoring threats on the team and a guy who has a lot of chemistry with Artemi Panarin and a guy who can really raise the raise the game of the, the people around him, the guys that are playing on the line with him. We've seen that. We've seen examples from that this year. We've seen examples from that in the past. So really looking forward to getting Zibanejad back out on the ice, and we just we just hope for a speedy recovery there. Hope, hopefully everything's okay. If you want to be optimistic, the good news for Ranger fans is that Philip Heedle replaced Zibanejad in the starting lineup on Tuesday against the Tampa Bay Lightning. He was called up from Hartford. He looked good. He looked dangerous the entire game. He looked like he belonged. You know, I think that's the big thing. Obviously, he skated with the team last year, 70-something games, but, you know, slumped down the stretch. He had that that hot five-goal stretch last year, but was really up and down other than that. And again, it's just one game, but Hedo looking good, looking comfortable with his line mates, looking comfortable playing under the bright lights in New York City. Just a strong overall season debut at the NHL level from Philip Hedo. And then, of course, scores a beautiful game-winning goal. He receives a pass and kind of just extends his stick there and deflects the puck into the twine, makes it 2-1 to one Rangers in the third period. They go on to a 4-1, 4-1 win against Tampa Bay. So great that he's off to a good start. Obviously, in a perfect world, you have you know maybe Zibanejad centers the first line, and then you have Heedle on the second line. That would be great. So looking forward to having both those guys out there at the same time. I don't think they'll play on the same line because they're both predominantly centers, but obviously you know, the more scoring threats you have out there, the better. Hito looks good. Zibanejad, we need to get him healthy. We'll look forward to seeing this team at full strength, hopefully sooner rather than later. I also want to again bring up, you know, the defense situation with this team because Ryan Lindgren, along with Philip Hito, was also called up to the Rangers before Tuesday's game. Uh, he was called up on Monday, but this resulted in Mark Stahl being a healthy scratch for the first time in his 13-year NHL career. We talked about that on the last episode, but I'm just curious to see, you know, how this is going to look going forward. Because now you've got seven defensemen on the NHL team that you'd like to play, but, I mean, in, in all likelihood, only six are going to be dressed on game night. Is it going to be Mark Stahl every single game going forward? I don't think it will be. I mean, we haven't seen the last of Mark Stahl this year. I think we all know that. All it's going to take is an injury or or maybe not even an injury. You know, maybe he gets back out there and, you know, somebody else takes a seat. 
you know, when they first called up Lindgren, I just kind of had a feeling it would be Liber Hayek who, who was inactive, who was a healthy scratch. And maybe that'll be the case on Saturday. Maybe you get kind of like a rotation situation. But I can't imagine there's going to be a situation where, you know, Mark Stahl is a healthy scratch for, I don't know, the next 10 games. And as we talked about with Lundqvist, it could be the same deal with Mark Stahl, where you want to just give him a couple maintenance days because he's played a, you know, he's played a lot of games over the years. He's blocked a lot of shots. He's taken a beating. He's had his fair share of injuries. So not the worst thing in the world to get him a, a day off every now and then. But you know he wants to be out there. I mean, the guy's a competitor. We could sit here and we could talk about how, you know, Mark Stahl maybe never quite hit his ceiling as far as, because you got to remember, when Stahl was drafted and when he made his debut with the Rangers, expectations were sky high. I mean, this guy was going to be one of the absolute best defensemen in the league on both sides of the ice. He never quite turned into that. But you know what? It's okay. You know, the guy's been a very solid New York Ranger for a long time. He's been a key part of some winning teams. Not every NHL defenseman gets to be Chris Chelios. You know, those are just the facts. So we could talk about the things Stahl didn't do and the things he didn't become. Or we can be greatly appreciative of a guy who has played through injuries, blocked God only knows how many shots, and just been fiercely loyal to this Rangers organization. That's the other thing. You know, he's been with the Rangers forever. Hockey players tend to jump around. You know, it's a league where guys are constantly changing teams, free agency trades, and what have you. Not too many pro athletes, very few in fact, spend their entire career with just one team, and I think that number goes down even more in the NHL. And... Obviously, Stahl's career isn't over. He's just 32 years old, but he's been with the Rangers for a long time. And that kind of loyalty to a team, that kind of longevity with just one team is very rare, and it's something that I believe we should all appreciate from Mark Stahl. And like I said, you know, we haven't seen the last of him this year. He'll get back out there eventually. We'll see We'll see how he does. Maybe he plays his way back into the, into the lineup. Maybe the next time he's out there, there's a fire and an intensity and a chip on his shoulder that he wants to make sure that this never happens again, that he never is a healthy scratch again. So to try something a little different, to get into the Halloween spirit, I thought it might be fun to count down what I consider to be the top five scariest moments in New York Ranger history from 1994 until present day. I would go earlier than 1994, but that was the first year as a young child that I started watching this team. And, you know, I understand things might have happened before then, that, you know, had people on the edge of their seats and, and, you know, biting their nails and all that. But if I wasn't around and I wasn't watching the team, then I don't think I can really properly rank them. So I got to set the cutoff date at the 1993-1994 season. We're going to do the top five right here. Let's just jump right into it. All five of these occur in the postseason because, let's face it, there's nothing like postseason hockey. It'll keep you on the edge of your seat. You'll be screaming and yelling at the TV like a maniac the entire time, especially if it goes into overtime. And we're just going to jump right into that right now with number five. Number five comes from the second round of the 2015 Stanley Cup playoffs. The Rangers are in overtime against the Washington Capitals. And this was a time where it just felt like they they played the Capitals in the playoffs every single season. So many great series, many of them going the distance. And this is also the second straight year where the Rangers are down three games to one in the second round of the playoffs. They basically look dead in the water, but they get a thrilling win in Game 5 at home in the Garden. They tie the game in the final minute. They send it to overtime, and they win in overtime. Mark Stahl, in fact, scoring the game-winning goal in overtime in that Game 5 on the power play just a minute and a half into the overtime. This game, by the way, I'm talking too much about it because technically it's not on the list, but it is an honorable mention. I will get through a couple honorable mentions at the end. This is one of them. But anyway, that breathes new life into the Rangers. The Rangers go back to Washington. They win another tense game, Game 6. It comes back to the Garden for Game 7, and this game is number 5 on the list. 
Alex Ovechkin coming into this game guarantees that the Capitals will win Game 7 in the Garden. It almost worked. I mean, the Caps took an early lead. Ovechkin himself scored. The Rangers tie the game at 1, and we go to overtime. You know, it's funny. I actually, a couple episodes back, I actually talked about this game a little bit because the Rangers were about to play the Coyotes this season, and they've got a couple former Rangers over there, including this man, Derek Stepan. Derek Stepan scores the game-winning goal in overtime to send the Rangers into the Eastern Conference Final. But, man, you talk about just a pulse-pounding situation here. I mean, here they are in overtime again. The second time in three games that the Rangers are in overtime with their season on the line. If they give up a goal, they lose, and they are done. There's nothing worse than that for hockey fans, knowing that if you surrender a goal, that your season is over. This series, I think, really took a toll on Blue Shirts fans. It was it was hard to watch because it's just it's just such a an unforgiving situation where any bad bounce or anything like that it goes the puck goes into the net and you're done and the season is over and the Rangers were bona fide Cup contenders this year so you just don't want it to end. Thank God they won this. I mean it was just it was a fantastic win. Once once you get the win in overtime it it's one of it'll become one of your favorite moments in hockey history. You know you will not forget it. But you know just man what a thrilling win. But man, it was hard getting there. It, it was just, it was tough watching this game in overtime. I think one of the the scariest moments is when the third period ends and it's tied, and you have the break there, and you see the team skate off the ice. And at this point, as a fan, you're just waiting to be scared. You know, it, it's that in between time that gets you a little bit. You just kind of want them to keep playing. And God, let me just know if they're going to win or lose this game, please. Like I, I can't just sit around and, and just do nothing for this. You know, fifteen or twenty minute intermission here. So. Really, it's a scary, scary situation being in overtime twice in this series, and especially in Game 7, but the Rangers pull it out. They move on to the Eastern Conference Final. The number four scariest moments in New York Ranger history since 1994 is we go back in time just a year before our number five entrant. It is the third period, the entire third period of Game 7 against the Penguins in 2014 in Pittsburgh. This series was special for me, and other than the Rangers winning the Cup, this this series win, this is probably it for me as a Ranger fan as far as top moments go because I'll be honest here, at this point, I was so sick of the Penguins. I was tired of watching them win the Stanley Cup, tired of watching them go deep into the playoffs every year, tired of seeing the Rangers lose to them in the playoffs, tired of watching Crosby and Malkin do what they do against the Rangers. This year, I really thought they were vulnerable because the Penguins, that is, because as good as Crosby and Malkin were and still are, I didn't think either of them was really playing at the top of their game coming into this series, or really even during this series for that matter. So they really had an opportunity here. It was so disheartening to see the Rangers go down three to one in this series, but obviously, you know, they um you know, Martin St. Louis suddenly loses his mom, and obviously that's a terrible thing. It's very tragic, but the Rangers clearly rallying around, you know, their veteran star player. They come roaring back into the series. They win Game 5, they win Game 6, and we're going back to Pittsburgh for Game 7. Brian Boyle gives the Rangers the lead early. The Penguins tie it. Brad Richards puts the Rangers back on top in the second period. I went back and watched some of the extended highlights of this game, and it's still terrifying to watch the highlights from this third period. The third period was basically a 20-minute power play for the Penguins. The Rangers kind of got caught, you know, sitting back a little bit and trying to play a defensive game, which sounds like a good idea in theory, when you're trying to protect a one-goal lead. 
But in practice, it's terrifying because, you know, the Rangers, like I said, they're they're back on their heels. The rink is really tilted. And Henrik Lundqvist is basically just a human cheat code in this game. I don't think they win this game and certainly not this entire series. They don't come back from a 3-1 to deficit without, without Henrik Lundqvist. He just will not let the puck get by him. There was a play where he lost his stick and he's down on the ice and scrambling to get on top of the puck. It was just pure bedlam. But watching this third period was just so scary because, like I said, and I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this, I wanted so badly for the Rangers to complete this comeback. There was no better team to do that to than the Penguins. I wanted the Rangers to finally get retribution against the Penguins, knock this team out of the playoffs, send them on their way home, and continue this this playoff run into the Eastern Conference Final and hopefully beyond. And, of course, you know, the Rangers make it to the Stanley Cup final that year. When that clock finally ran out, it was just pure relief, just a stomach-churning third period. But the Rangers hang on. They pull it out. They get the win. They finally, finally, finally beat the Penguins in the playoffs. Just just a beautiful win. But, man, it wasn't fun getting there in that third period. It was it was scary, and, you know, they they held on. Lundqvist was a big part of that. But somehow, some way, this team, they scratched, they fought, they clawed. They hung on for just an absolute pulse-pounding victory in Game 7 against the Penguins. Okay, number three on our countdown, and this is the only one that unfortunately does not have a happy ending for the Rangers. We are going, we are staying in the year 2014, overtime and double overtime of Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final against the Los Angeles Kings. I really wrestled with whether to rank this one number three or number four. I was kind of back and forth between this one and the win against the Penguins, but I settled on this one because... You know, Game 7 against the Penguins, it is only the second round of the playoffs. There's no guarantees, even if the Rangers win, that it really leads to anything. I mean, you're in the Eastern Conference Final, but your season could end there. I I expected the Rangers would beat the Canadians that year in the Eastern Conference Final, and they did. But again, there were no guarantees that anything big was going to come out of this, out, out out of beating the Penguins. For this one, you're actually in the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time in 20 years. This is really happening. The Rangers are in the Stanley Cup Final for the first time in 20 years. It's a tough series for the Rangers. You know, they lose games one and two in Los Angeles. Both of them are in overtime. Game two was actually in double overtime. They lose game three at the Garden as well, so they're down three games to none. They barely hang on for a game four win. They send the series back to Los Angeles for game five in a three-to-one series hole. Even though the Rangers lost this one, this is one of the best hockey games I have ever seen. You're just on pins and needles the whole time. And it somehow this game even went to a whole new level in overtime because as desperate as the Rangers were, obviously, backs against the wall, trying to get a win here, trying to force this series back to game six in the garden. The Kings were equally desperate because picture yourself being, you know, a player on the Kings or a Kings fan at this time. You don't want to lose this game. I mean, you were up three games to none, and if you lose this one, you drop this game in overtime. Now it's three to two, and you've got to go back to New York. I mean, it's getting really scary for you at that point. But yeah, I mean, you're just, you're on the edge of your seat this entire overtime, and it goes deep into double overtime. I believe it didn't end until 15 minutes into the double overtime. Just a scary situation. You know, obviously, you you want so bad for this series to continue for this magical run to not end. Both teams hit the post in overtime, and if that doesn't make your heart jump, I don't know what does. There is nothing scarier than seeing your opponent hit the post in overtime in a game that could end your season, because if that shot is an inch in the other direction, it's game over, it's season over, and the, the Kings are lifting the cup. But yeah, I mean, this overtime and the double overtime, it just felt like it went on forever. And then I don't know what happened. Some guy named Alec Martinez might have scored a goal or something. I don't know, whatever. But yeah, just an edge-of-your-seat hockey game between two incredible teams. Unfortunately, we didn't get the result we wanted. It's bittersweet looking back at that run because they didn't complete it by lifting the cup. But you still have to—you got to look back on that season and smile. 
still just, you know, a terrifying situation being in overtime and double overtime in the Stanley Cup final with your season on the line. And just as a footnote, to this day, I just, I, I can't help but wonder what that atmosphere in Game 6 would have been like had the Rangers somehow won this game in overtime and forced it back to the Garden. Because think about it. You were down 3 nothing. It's now 3-2. You won Game 5 on the road in overtime, and now you're coming home. Can you imagine how electric the Garden would have been for a Game 6 in that series? Unfortunately, we just never got to experience it. Game 6 is kind of the game that never was. But man, of all the games that like didn't happen, that I wish could have happened, maybe in Ranger history, Game 6, Stanley Cup Final, in the Garden, 2014 against the Kings, mark it down, that would have been just thrilling. There's no guarantees what would have happened. I mean, who knows? Maybe the Kings come in there and they, they finally close out the series. It's possible. But I just would have loved to have seen that atmosphere and, and to see that series extend there would have been fantastic. So we're up to number two, and I think at this point a lot of you can kind of figure out where I'm going, what's going to be the, the top two on this list. This one is just called Mato, Mato, Mato. Yes, of course. You couldn't have a list like this without putting this on it. I mean, think about it. It doesn't get any bigger. It's Eastern Conference Finals. It's Game 7. It's double overtime. Two hated rivals. A trip to the Stanley Cup Final on the line. The curse still very much intact for the Rangers at this point. Quick synopsis of how we get here. The Rangers are President's Trophy winners, but they fall behind three games to two to the Devils in this series after losing Game 5 at the Garden. They head to New Jersey for Game 6. Captain Mark Messier guarantees that the Rangers will win this game. They fall behind 2-0. Alex Kovalov scores to, not, to cut the lead to 2-1. The Rangers enter the third period, still down 2-1. Mark Messier picks up a natty hattie, a natural hat trick, to lead the Rangers to a 4-2 victory. So just an incredible performance after guaranteeing a win. Picks up a natural hat trick. We're going to Game 7 at the Garden. Rangers get a goal from Brian Leach about midway through the second period to go up 1-0. We go to the third period, and with seven seconds left, seven freaking seconds, the Devils score the equalizer. We go to overtime. In fact, we go to double overtime, and both teams got their chances in the overtime periods. Your stomach is just in knots watching this. Again, I mean, think about it. It's been 54 years since the Rangers won the Cup. Supposedly, there's this curse hanging over the team. If that's not scary, I don't know what is. You know, it really fits the Halloween theme with what we're doing here. But just scary as hell watching this game. And for sure, I mean, you don't want to lose to anybody in this situation, but the Devils, you want you don't want to lose to the Devils here. You don't want that you don't want the Devils of all team to kind of like extend the curse, if you will. And of course, you know, the Rangers haven't won a Stanley Cup since then, so the curse would still be intact if the Devils had scored this next goal. But fortunately, Steph Stefan Matteau has other ideas. He ends the agony, he ends all our suffering when he Scores on a wraparound goal in second overtime. You get that great radio call, and he beats Martin Brodeur. Sends the Rangers to the to the finals against the Vancouver Canucks. Rangers, of course, go on to defeat the Canucks in seven games, and that series has no walk in the park either. More on that in just a second. But, man, as a Ranger fan at this point, you've been winning 54 years between championships. You've already been through pure hell watching this series, from falling behind three games to two to going down two to nothing in game six to blowing the lead in game seven, which is seven seconds remaining to a full scoreless overtime period. I mean, my God, how much more can you take? But just an extraordinary hockey series here, and one that the Rangers finally pull out in double overtime in Game 7. And just for a couple quick honorable mentions here, I already mentioned Game 5 2015 in overtime against the Washington Capitals with the season on the line down three games to one. The Rangers won that. Came storming back to win that series. We already talked about that one. To get away from the playoff theme and just kind of pick something random here just for a second... How about when Brendan Shanahan 
challenged Donald Brashear to a fight in 2006. I mean, this one really could have gone bad. Donald Brashear was kind of the resident tough guy in the NHL. He was basically out there to be an enforcer and to fight. That was basically it. Brendan Shanahan, early in his career, would would drop the gloves on occasion, but at this point, he's a veteran. He's in his late 30s. It's not really something he's looking to do, but Brashear's, you know, causing trouble early in this game, as he was known to do. Shanahan decides he has enough, throws down the gloves, they fight. Uh, I would say Brashear won this fight, but he kind of, you know, he won by decision and not by knockout. It's not like he Shanahan went in there and got slaughtered. So, but still a scary situation because you've got one of your superstar players, one of your most respected vets, a shoe-in Hall of Famer, and here he is challenging, you know, the best fighter in the league to a fight. So that could have gone bad, but Shanahan hung in there. You know, as I said, I got to give Brashear the the win by decision, but hey, you know, Shanahan held his own, and uh, that that, but it was scary. It was scary seeing Shanahan challenge this guy. One more that doesn't have a happy ending for the Rangers is Game 6 against the Devils in 2012 in the Eastern Conference Final. Rangers were the top seed in the East this year. They play the Devils, who were the sixth seed. The Rangers went the distance in the first two playoff rounds, seven-game series against the Senators, seven-game series against the Capitals, and then they go six games here against the Devils. It goes to overtime. The Rangers had dropped Game 5 in the Garden to go into a 3-2 series hole. Game 6 is back in New Jersey. This one goes to overtime, and Adam Henrique scores the game winner. But again, just a really scary situation because, the re- I mean, listen, anytime you lose a playoff series in overtime and your series ends in a playoff series in overtime, it's going to be tough. But the Rangers were the top dog in the Eastern Conference this year. They really had a chance. They had a great team. You really think that if the Rangers can somehow pull this off in overtime— and send it back to Game 7 to the Garden, that they're going to have a really good chance of winning that game. And then you go to the finals, and you take your chances. And you're again, you're the top seed. I think they would have had home ice advantage that year in the Stanley Cup Finals. So just a scary situation to be in. Unfortunately, um, you know, it doesn't work out for the Rangers. The Devils score in overtime. And now the number one scariest New York Ranger moment since the 1993-1994 season is the last 15 minutes and 10 seconds of Game 7 of the 1994 Stanley Cup Finals against the Vancouver Canucks. Why 15-10? Well, that's when the Canucks scored to cut the Ranger lead to 3-2 in that game. And, of course, the final score was also 3-2, but I realize it wasn't quite as high scoring of a league back then as it is now, but 15 minutes and 10 seconds, that is a long time to go without a goal in a hockey game. You know, that doesn't—that's a long time, okay? Pure and simple, that's a long time. So, again, after the Rangers beat the Devils this year, one of the greatest playoff series you'll ever see, the Rangers are in the Stanley Cup Final against the Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks were the seventh seed that year, a team that was barely 500 in the regular season. It didn't matter. This one went the distance. The Rangers got up three games to one in this series. The Canucks came back and won games five and six. So here we are in game seven. Rangers take a 2-0 lead in this one on goals by Brian Leach and Adam Graves. Trevor Linden scores to cut it to 2-1. Rangers get back up 3-1 when Mark Messier scores on the power play. And Linden scores again, as I said, with 15-10 remaining in the third period. And the whole time that this is going on, you're just thinking, can this game just end? Can this game please just end with the Rangers still up by a goal? Is that too much to ask? And again, that's a long time to go scoreless in a hockey game, 15 minutes and 10 seconds. And this clock just drags and drags and drags, and Mike Richter is standing on his head. He makes some some really nice saves. There was one where he had to move really quickly to his left, and he reached up with his glove, a high shot, and didn't actually glove it, but got a piece of it with his glove to flex it away from the from the net. 
And I got to talk about this because now, you know, we're getting into the final minutes here. It, it's just, it's scary as all hell at this point. So less than a minute left. Rangers clear the zone. Puck rolls into the Vancouver zone and the Canucks chase after it. But the Canuck who was, who was chasing the puck just stops moving his legs. And he waits for the puck to cross the goal line and then touches it for an icing. Only this was not icing. This was ridiculous. This was an awful call. You can't just stop and let the puck roll across the line. If you do that, the linesman is supposed to wave it off, but he never waved it off. And at this point, there's only 28 seconds left in the game. So if that icing was waved off as it should have been, think about it. Now the Canucks, they have the puck back on their own end of the ice. He's probably going to have to circle around behind the net. Then they have to navigate through the neutral zone, get the puck in deep, and get set up all over again. There's no guarantees that the the Canucks are even going to be able to get back into the Rangers zone or create any kind of scoring opportunities. It's going to take pretty much all the time left to do that. I mean, there's only 28 seconds, so a a lot of time is going to elapse there as they're just trying to get the puck back into the Rangers zone. But they get the icing call and, you know, just a bad call. And Steve Larmer's yelling at the linesman on that. And I just don't know how this could have been called icing. And then it happens again. You know, the Rangers clear the zone in the waning seconds, and Pavel Bore stops moving his legs as the puck is rolling, you know, deep into the Vancouver zone, and he finally touches the puck when it crosses. But again, another bad icing call. Only 1.6 seconds left. Craig McTavish wins the faceoff. The Rangers win the Stanley Cup. Thank God it's over. But even as a kid, for hockey games, this is as scary as it gets. You know, it was just it was just wild these last couple of minutes, and, you know, the the garden is coming unglued and you just want it to be over and you just want the Rangers to lift the cup and thank God it basically a horror movie ends and uh you know the Rangers that last 15 minutes and 10 seconds there was ridiculous but the Rangers lift the cup it's over Stanley Cup champions all right so that was fun you know I hope you guys enjoyed that doing something a little bit different here today getting to the Halloween spirit just a little bit on the day after Halloween but we gotta shift gears here come back to modern times come back to this year's Rangers Obviously coming off of a big win against Tampa Bay, and we are in Nashville on Saturday, 2 p.m. puck drop time, and we're playing a Predators team that has now won three out of its last four games. They drop an overtime decision, 6-5 to five, against the Calgary Flames on Thursday, last night actually, Halloween night. Despite that, they've still won three out of their last four, seven points out of a possible eight. It's a good team. You know, the Predators are always in the playoffs. They always have one of the better records in the Western Conference. That has continued this year. They haven't really missed a beat. The Rangers will enter Saturday's game with a record of 4-5-1. and one. The Predators currently sitting at 8-3-2. and two. And this team can score some goals. Uh, 53 goals scored so far this season, only 40 given up. They are also very dangerous at home, 6-1-2. and two. So it's a good test for the Rangers. The Predators have, a bit, have been on a little bit of a homestand here. In fact, this will be their sixth home game in their last seven games. And the Rangers, is, like I said, it's a great road test. The Rangers haven't really been on the road much this year. They've they've played a lot of games in the Garden to start the season. Rangers 1-2 and two on the road, the only win coming in their second game against the Ottawa Senators. And like we said, you know, Predators, team that can score a lot of goals. Just 13 games into the season, they already have seven players with double-digit points. As far as points goes, Ryan Ellis leading the way with two goals and 12 assists. Roman Yossi right behind him, five goals and eight assists. And then, of course, you've got Nick Bonino, seven goals, four assists. Kelly Yarncrock, five goals, six assists. Matt Duchesne, two goals, nine assists. Colton Sissons, four goals, six assists. And Ryan Johansson, two goals and eight assists. Rangers, in all likelihood, going to be tasked with the challenge of solving Pekka Rene, Nashville's longtime goalie. 
36 years old, but he's still doing Pecorine things. He is 7-0-2 to start the season. He has a 2.19 goals against average, and that's after even giving up six goals to the Flames in his last outing. Still just a 2.19 goals against and a 9.20 save percentage, and already with two shutouts. He's one of the best. I mean, there's not really much else to say. Rangers, in all likelihood, going to face him on Saturday. So, you know, it's going to be a hard-earned two points if they get it. The Rangers were able to defeat another outstanding goalie on Tuesday and Andre Vasilevsky, taking down the Lightning 4-1 to in that one. But yeah, in all likelihood, going to be another big challenge for the Rangers going up against Pekka Rangers have not announced who will start in goal. Lundqvist obviously dealing with a minor injury, and Georgiev played the last game, played very well. We'll see how the Rangers want to play it. We'll see if Lundqvist is ready to go. And even if he is ready to go, you know, it's possible they could stick with Georgiev. He's coming off of a very good game, so we'll see how the Rangers want to play it. I'm also really looking forward to seeing what Philip Heedle can do for an encore because obviously, you know, he came up and looked good in his first game, scored the game-winning goal, gave the Rangers a spark, and looked good with his line mates. That whole line really looked great. Chris Kreider, Philip Heedle, Pavel Buchnevich, the second line. So looking forward to seeing what those guys can do for an encore. If they can produce points and, and score goals against against Pecorine, then look out. I mean, that line could really take off. Going to be a great test. I'm really looking forward to it. Unique start time at 2 p.m. in the afternoon there, but definitely going to tune in. Hope you guys enjoy the game. We'll come back here on Monday. We'll talk about hopefully the Rangers scoring another two points. Really had a fun time today. I hope you guys enjoyed the Halloween stuff. I know it's the day after Halloween, but I don't know. I always kind of wish Halloween would kind of linger a little bit the way Christmas seems to linger, and and that's awesome. I mean, Christmas is awesome. Who doesn't love Christmas? But I kind of wish, you know, Halloween would kind of just linger in the days after you know, because to me, you go outside, it still feels like Halloween weather. still feels like jack-o'-lanterns weather, and it would be cool just to see people kind of stay in the Halloween spirit for an extra couple of days here into November. So that's going to do it for Episode 9 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. Feel free to reach out. Send us an email, lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. Again, that is lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. Or send us a tweet at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Looking forward to the game on Saturday. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hope we get another two points. We'll be back here to talk about it on Monday. Until then, enjoy the weekend, and I'll see you guys next time.